When it comes to hunger, the statistics can be staggering. One in nine Oregonians don't know where or when they'll get their next meal. And nearly half of Americans will need federal food assistance at some point in their life. As we kick off this year's KGW Great Food Drive, we talk with the Oregon Food Bank about their work to end hunger in our communities and how we can all help. From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Over the next month, you'll hear us talk a lot about the KGW Great Food Drive and asking for your help. This is our 16th year working with the Oregon Food Bank and our partners to help our neighbors experiencing hunger. Our goal this year is to collect 1 million pounds of food. That is a lot of food, but I know with your help, we'll get there. But why do we need a food drive anyway? How much hunger is there in Oregon and Southwest Washington? With historically low unemployment, why is the need still so great? And what exactly does the Oregon Food Bank do? In this episode of Straight Talk, we answer those questions as we take a hard look at hunger. Welcome to my guest, CEO of the Oregon Food Bank, Susanna Morgan, Amy Powers, the Food Bank's Regional Network Manager, and Joshua Thomas, the Equity and Inclusion Coordinator. Thank you for joining us here on Straight Talk. It's nice to have you all here. Thank you. Yes, thank thank you. you. I remember in the 2000s reporting that Oregon was the hungriest state in the nation, which was staggering. That's improved somewhat. Susanna, can you tell us uh, the state of hunger now in Oregon and Southwest Washington? Yeah, there's good news and there's bad news. Um, the good news is um, that uh, hunger is now down to the lowest level that it's been in more than a decade. Um, the bad news is, is that we're back at 2007 levels. So hunger rose sharply for the Great Recession, stayed high because unemployment stayed high for a long time and then has slowly come back down. And the reason it is still high, even with high unemployment, is that we is really about living wages. Are people getting enough income to be able to support themselves and their families, particularly with the high cost of housing? I know your ultimate goal is to eliminate hunger. Is that really possible? I have to believe so. I, we, we live in the society we create, right? We should be able to create a better society. I am an idealist and a pragmatist. I don't think it will happen tomorrow um, or maybe in my lifetime, but I think we can get there and we will get there quicker if we start now. And we're going to talk about some ways to get there, how to address some of the root causes of hunger a little bit later in this show. I want to ask Joshua, we're going to use the phrase food insecurity sometimes here. What does that mean? Yeah, food insecurity is just not knowing where you're going to access your next meal. And so it's people not having, you know, access, you know, to their food or just because of like high wages or low wages. Um, and just because people are just are, you know, don't have this access to the resources that they need. Okay. Let's take a look at some of these hunger statistics. One in nine Washingtonians face food insecurity and one in six Washington children. That's 848,990 people in Washington that have this food insecurity. Of that number, 284,760 are children. Our source here is Feeding America. Now let's look at Oregon. One in nine Oregonians face food insecurity. One in five Oregon children face food insecurity. That's 480,000 people. 165,000 of them are children. That is a lot of people who are hungry. Amy, tell us, 
you head up the regional site, you coordinate that. Tell us how you distribute the food, how does your structure work, and where does the food come from? And as you talk, we also do have a map for our podcast listeners that shows uh, where all the food assistance sites are. Sure. Well, I'd love to tell you, the Oregon Food Bank Network is all about partnerships and relationships. Um, we have a network of 21 different regional food banks all across the state of Oregon and in Southwest Washington and Clark County. And because of these relationships, we're in the community and we're building partnerships within our community. And so the food comes from, from us, from our local farmers, from local um, food donors, um, from neighbors like you and me. Um, and it's an amazing network and we all strive to always center the community and the client in the middle of all of the work that we do. So people don't just come to the Oregon Food Bank to get food. How do, they, how do the families get their food? Sure, great question. So of the 21 regional food banks, we each have our own partners that um, provide access for our families and neighbors in need. And across the state in Southwest Washington, we have 1,400 relationships and partnerships where folks can access food. And this is also in Clark County as well. Yes, exactly. Joshua, who is affected most by hunger? Does it disproportionately affect some communities? It does. It's, you know, communities of color, it's LGBTQ plus communities, these single mothers, um, and then single you know, caregivers, and then it's also people who don't identify as like non-gender conforming. Also, how about seniors? And seniors, um, yes, seniors um, as well. Let's talk about the, the face of hunger. Let's put a face on hunger. And, and the two of you have some stories because you have lived experiences where you also had food insecurity. And I think you illustrate, your stories illustrate, Joshua and Amy, that it's not just them, it's about all of us. So let, let's start with Amy. Tell sure. us a little bit about your story. That's true. So as my colleague had mentioned, uh, the most disproportionately affected folks are POC immigrant and refugee uh, families. And so I'm a daughter of immigrant parents. Um, we had plenty of challenges in our, um, in our lives, but even as an adult, uh, as I um, had an amazing daughter, we had to figure out medical bills, childcare, and pay the rent. Those things were prioritized over food. And so there was some really hard times where we had to make some really tough decisions. And uh, in the end, what, what, what it really matters is that it's just folks like me, it's folks like Joshua, there are neighbors, there, there are uh, coworkers, um, it could be anybody. And just one um, medical thing could really drive someone into food insecurity, or it could be something other that's, um, you know, something that's happening in their lives. And so just one of those kinds of situations can really drive um, food insecurity in families and in, in working parents like I, I was. And um, we have an amazing daughter and a second daughter, but we had some really tough times where I still feel guilt about the the types of food that I was able to access for my daughter and for myself um, and for my partner, we had um, to make some pretty tough decisions. And I remember clearly this one day when I had um, a coworker come and visit me in my home and they were like, oh, you have such a clean fridge. And I was like, I do. It's actually because it's empty. Mm. Um, so just having that shame um, in me and um, because I was lacking in resources and the different things that I was struggling with um, really led to food insecurity. 
And Joshua, tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, my story is my life changed drastically when my parents got a divorce when I was 10. We went from living in, in a three-story house to living in a trailer um, as my mom was trying to like readjust you know, financially. And she was a, a CNA and, you know, and she still you know, wasn't able to get you know, access to a lot of resources. And so even SNAP, so she probably only got about $20 a month. And so it just really made us you know, tight um, on money. And so her trying to provide for my brother um, and myself and so we you know, often had to utilize you know, the food pantry because that was the only way that we were going to be able to access food. And you know, I always remember like even clothes, like you know, we only went clothes shopping like once a year and like all the other, all the rest of my clothes like came from you know, my mom's friends and other people who were you know, trying to help us you know, during that difficult time. And you know, similar, you know, to Amy, you know, like sometimes I couldn't even have friends even stay the night because like we couldn't, we didn't have enough food, you know, to feed them. And you know, and other family members, you know, will make comments, you know, about us not having food, you know, was also was like, you know, extremely, you know, hurtful. And you know, you know, throughout like my journey and even going in college, you know, like the hunger, you know, didn't stop. Like I even experienced it, you know, while on campus. And you know, and it wasn't until like one of my professors like kind of brought it to my attention, you know, that I was experiencing it then too. And even when we talked about hunger, you know, in school, it was always about it, like reside in a different country. And it wasn't until I moved to Portland and started volunteering for Partners for Hunger Free Oregon that I learned that it's an epidemic that's happening, you know, around us. It's happening right here to our friends and neighbors. You're not just collecting and distributing food, Susanna. You're also trying to address these root causes that, that put people into these positions that they're having food insecurity. So let's look at some of the root causes and factors. Poverty, 72% of clients live in poverty. Unemployment, 36% of households have someone who is disabled and unable to work or is retired. That's up from 30% in 2012. Health, 48% of households have one or more members with high blood pressure. Insurance is a factor. 39% say the highest source of family debt is medical bills. Mm -hmm. And SNAP, formerly known as food stamps, 90% of clients on SNAP say it doesn't last the whole month. Susanna, how are you trying to address these very complicated, tough issues? <laughs> well, I think that the first thing that we want to make clear and that my wonderful colleagues have made clear is that a hunger isn't about them, it's about us. Um, uh, that um, one out of every two Americans will be on um, food stamps or have experience with hunger during their lifetime. And if it hasn't happened to us yet, then we're lucky, but it may be coming. Um, so I think the first thing is redefining who we are talking about and what we are talking about is everyone in our community. And I think the next thing is to say um, that um, we don't have to accept a, a society in which poverty is inevitable. We don't have to accept a society in which there are some people who are losers. Um, and that together we can create a different society with stronger education and more access to affordable health care and more access to safe um, and affordable housing. And that these are things that we can build together. And one of the ways that we are most trying to build that together is by engaging and lifting up people who have lived experience of hunger that they're willing to share to change the course of our, our investments as a community 
to see if we can't drive hunger out for good. Because this was very intentional that these two who have lived experiences, Amy and Joshua, are in leadership roles at the Oregon Food Bank. Absolutely, half, half of my leadership team at Oregon Food Bank has lived experience of hunger. A third of our board has lived experience of hunger. Um, my, there's lived experience of hunger in my own family with my wife. Um, we are in this work because we are this work and we invite everyone to be in this work with us. You have told me that trying to get to the root causes of hunger and eliminate hunger sometimes involves some really tough discussions that you have with people that um, your efforts might run counter to the interests of corporations and organizations that help you. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, um, so uh, um, when we are talking about public policy, when we are talking about the way that we choose to invest in our communities, people can have very strong and differing opinions um, on, say, an issue such as the minimum wage and what the long-term impacts of um, shifts in the minimum wage would be to affect hunger and poverty. Um, and so we will find uh, folks with whom we have an amazing relationship and food collection and distribution who may not agree with the position that we see will have the best most positive impact on ending hunger. Um, so it, we've gotten good at having these kind of conversations and saying, look, um, let us tell you why we are doing this. We are doing this because we are holding people who are experiencing hunger at the center, and that is what we care about. Um, and everything that we do starts there. And so we may end up in a different place, but we're starting from the same place. And so even if you don't agree with me, you can understand me, and we can still respect each other. And you have a beautiful quote from Maya Angelou. Tell us uh, that quote. <laughs> I love this quote. Maya Angelou um, says that uh, you do the best you know, and when you know better, you do better. Mm -hmm. I think it is so important for all of us to take action now with the best that we know to make our world better and then learn and then use that learning to take the next action and keep moving forward so that we don't get paralyzed. We don't say the problem is too big, too complex. Poverty has existed for hundreds of years, Susanna. Why do you think you can fix it? You're a dreamer. I think the answer is no, I'm not. I have amazing <laughs> colleagues. We have an amazing community. We know better and we can do better. Let's talk a little bit about food stamps, the SNAP program. According to the Statesman Journal, as of June, nearly 645,000 Oregonians receive food stamps. Now there are some, some proposed new Trump administration rules that would start April 1st that could have a really big impact. And one of the rules tightens work requirements for federal food stamps. And that reportedly would affect 20,000 Oregonians and 75,000 Washingtonians. And I wanna ask Joshua, you know, if that happens, what kind of impact would that have on people? Yeah, it will just mean that people will further will have won't have access to the resources they need to just be able to have a you know a prosperous life you know and you know that will you know further put strains on people's like finances and so that will also mean that like people you know, will also have to choose between you know where are they going to pull money from it could be their housing or from you know for medical expenses and you know to shift it to, you know to pay for food and so it's just going to put more strains on people you know financial ability. Susanna what are your thoughts about the rule changes? I think it is mean-spirited and wrong. I, I think that um, people access SNAP food stamps when they need it um, and they get off of it um, when they no longer need it. The average length of time that someone uses food stamps to support their family is a year. Um, uh, and I think that if you were to ask residents in Oregon and Washington 
Would you like some of your tax dollars to support your neighbors who are having trouble putting food on the table? The overwhelming response would be yes, I will. In large part because many of those folks will say, I needed it once, um, I'm happy to help out now with the folks who need it now, or I may need it in the future, I want it to be there for me when I need that safety net. Um, and so I, I, it just makes no sense to me that we would run counter to um, uh, good sense and good hearts um, and good community sense by uh, taking away food from people's tables. The Trump administration has this to say about the rule changes. It's committed to providing benefits to people who need them, but wants to encourage participants to make steps towards self-sufficiency. And there are a lot of people who support that notion that people should work um, to get food stamps. And uh, they say it would save, this is from the USDA, save about five and a half billion dollars for taxpayers. And here's a quote from Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue. He said in an opinion column, government can be a powerful force for good, but government dependency has never been the American dream. We need to encourage people by giving them a helping hand, but not allowing it to become an indefinitely giving hand. How do you respond to that, Susanna? I don't think that food stamps encourages dependency in any way, shape, or form. And I think that we're looking at two examples of, of this right here in our, in our studio and in my own family. I think uh, the evidence shows that people use food stamps to get through tough times. Um, uh, and that when they are using it, more than half of them are already working. Um, and that uh, another big chunk of folks are disabled or uh, uh, living on pensions. And there's a very small percentage of people people on SNAP who, who are of the right um, uh, age and skills to be able to work. And then it's complicated. They might live in an area in which there isn't a job nearby. Um, they might have an aging parent at home they need to care for. They may not have a car that works. It's complicated um, as to why they're not able to work right then. But it starts with a myth. It starts with a myth that if you get food stamps you won't want to work, then I just don't buy. And a misconception you told me about, Joshua, that <laughs> people on food stamps are lazy. Yeah. And, you know, and it was always easy for us to kind of create the, you know, the, the narrative, you know, in order to keep people oppressed. You know, as we talk about the root causes, you know, of hunger and that being, you know, systems of inequities or systems of oppression, you know, as like racism and classism, and sexism and heterosexism, you know, and they're systematic um, and they're systemic. And so they're made to be able to, you know, control who gains access, you know, to resources. And, you know, and that is just, you know, rhetoric that people use to ensure that people don't get the services you know that they need in order to gain access to food. It's time for us to take a break. We'll continue our conversation and look at why the Oregon Food Bank is stressing how important it is everyone be counted in the 2020 census, plus more ways you can help fight hunger. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Before we get back to our conversation on hunger in Oregon and Southwest Washington, I want to remind you Straight Talk is now available as a podcast. Just open your phone's camera app and point it at the QR code on your screen right now. It will take you to a link where you can download our podcast and listen whenever it's convenient for you to this episode and previous episodes. Now, welcome once again to my guests from the Oregon Food Bank, Susanna Morgan, Amy Powers, and Joshua Thomas. Thanks again for being here. You know, I've been to the food bank and volunteered a few times. Um, do you need volunteers, Amy? How can people help out? 
Uh, we always need volunteers and we are so grateful for the work that our volunteer team does. Um, we particularly need volunteers in January and August. Those are the times when we have the lowest amount of volunteers. But I also encourage folks to go out into their community and volunteer directly with our partners. Um, and you can find that on our website if you want to look at our Food Finder um, uh, part of our website. Uh, you can find the local partner um, of the Oregon Food Bank Network and you can volunteer with them as well. That's good to hear. And one of the other ways that you can help out is by being counted in the census. And that's one of your big goals, Susanna, for 2020. Census Day is coming up on April 1st. Why is it important in your effort to fight hunger that people be counted in the census? Help us understand that. Right. What's the connection between the census and hunger? Um, there, um, there are two connections. The first is um, that uh, there are a lot of federal resources that get allocated around the country based on the census numbers. Right? So if we miss people, we miss dollars that flow into our communities for Medicaid, for affordable housing, for um, other anti-poverty programs that will help us fight hunger and build communities that will never go hungry. It's actually $3,200 a person. That's a so lot of for money. Every person who isn't counted, we lose $3,000 we can put to ending hunger and poverty in our state. So please, everybody, get counted. Um, uh, the other reason that we are deeply um, engaged in the census is because we want to activate the 800,000 people who experience hunger in Oregon and Southwest Washington and the several hundred thousand people who are volunteers and donors to all of these sites um, to become civically engaged, to understand our, our political process and how we can make change in the city council, at the county level, at the state level, at the federal level, so we can build the communities that will never go hungry. We talked about $3,200 per person. And where does that money go? Mm, it goes into Medicaid. It goes into affordable housing. It goes into school lunches. Um, it goes into our roads. Um, it goes into all of this infrastructure um, in our communities that makes it possible for our, our, our social safety nets to work, for our education programs to work, for our healthcare systems to work. Amy, did you want to say anything about the census? Oh, I'm so excited that this is a big project for us. Um, and it's involving so many teams within the Oregon Food Bank, and it's been a really exciting time to be collaborative and to all have a common goal of making sure that everyone is counted. All of our communities are counted, and that's super important to us. I want to just revisit just for a minute. Susanna, I talked about how uh, people who were opposed or supported the cuts to the SNAP program said that it would save $5.5 billion in taxpayer money. But you shared with me that if there are cuts, that actually has an economic effect as well for mm. grocery stores, for rural communities. Tell us about that. Yeah, for research shows that for every dollar spent in, on SNAP, there is $1.79 in economic activity in a community, which of course matters to a community like Portland in the Vancouver um, area, but all matters even more in rural communities um, because that money is local. That money is turning into employment at the grocery store and at the gas station and at the bank tellers. It is staying and working actively in those communities. So when we pull money out um, and off of people's grocery tables, we're also pulling money out of the local economies. Um, and we expect that to have um, uh, significant and perhaps devastating impacts to our rural economies. Mm -hmm. 
Well, another big way that, that people watching can help us out and help fight hunger is through the KGW Great Food Drive. So I want to tell you a little bit about that. You're going to start hearing a lot more about it on KGW. We kick it off on Tuesday, March 1st. We've been participating in this since 2004 with the Oregon Food Bank and our partners. And collectively, all of us, you have really helped us over the years. We have collected 17.4 million pounds of food. That's over 20 million meals for our neighbors. Our partners this year are Bob's Red Mill, Safeway Albertsons, Rivermark Community Credit Union, and local Toyota dealers. Every gift of $10 provides as many as 30 meals to the food bank's network of 21 regional food banks that Amy was telling us about and 1,200 food assistance sites. And just remember that statistic that one in nine Oregonians and one in nine Washingtonians face food insecurity, one in five are children. Mm -hmm. And the easiest way for you to donate is online at our website, and that is KGW w.com slash food drive and that'll be up and running on Tuesday up until then uh, you can donate at Safeway so I know we're all hoping it's going to be very yes. successful when we yes. get to that million pounds thank you so much Susanna Morgan Joshua Thomas Amy Powers for joining us here from yes. the Oregon Food Bank and thank you for all that you do to uh, help the community and help people who are fighting hunger thank we you appreciate it thank you and thank you for watching. Don't forget, you can download, there it is, that QR code once again, download our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search for KGW Straight Talk. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk.